You're listening to the Yoga Teacher Resource Podcast. Knowledge, techniques, and inspiration for your teaching and your practice. I'm your host, Mado Hesselink. If you're a yoga teacher who loves learning, is passionate about spreading the benefits of yoga, and desires more resources to support your teaching, you're in the right place. Let's get started with today's episode. Hello, yoga teacher. Today's episode is an on-air coaching call where I take a fellow teacher through a mini strategy session. These on-air coaching calls are a fascinating peek into the brains and lives of other yoga teachers. The teachers who participate are incredibly generous and brave to allow me to share their session on the podcast, and I have so much respect for them. Let's jump right into this on-air coaching call, and I will see you on the other side. Alex, welcome to the podcast. Hello, Mazo. So tell us a little bit about yourself, how long you've been teaching, what kind of yoga you teach, and... Right. So I'm Alex, and I'm a yoga teacher, but I'm also a salesperson. So I work full-time for the cybersecurity company. So I do juggle both. And I can't call yoga a hobby anymore. It's a part of me, part of the lifestyle, really. And I've been teaching for the last two years. And with regards to the styles, it would be definitely vinyasa that has stolen my heart. But then slowly, through years, I also fall in love with yin and restorative yoga. So I do teach those three. I do practice those three as well on my own. Um, And currently I'm going through some yoga nidra training. So I'm sure that sooner or later it will be a part of my offering. There's also one of the certification I'm going through for the last few actually years that it's called Tiari. It's trauma release exercise but it's a well-known in US type of yoga that it's called neurogenic yoga. So you're actually embracing the wisdom of your body, the tremors as a part of your yoga practice. And when you filled out the intake form, you suggested that you want to talk, you wanted to talk about building relationships with your students that you want to develop long-term lasting loyal relationships So first of all, I'd love to hear why this is top of mind for you, why this is important. And then also, what is it that you feel is currently missing for you in that regard? Okay, brilliant. So um, probably the easiest one is just to imagine and explain as well what's happening in UK. So even though I'm Polish, I've been living in UK for the last 13 years. So all my teaching truly I've done in UK. For the over a year, we are in a pandemic. So when I've started, I only had a year just to build up, build up on a customer base, build up my teaching skills and come onto the market with my offering. And it was on top of the work that I've been doing that time. Um, and then of course the pandemic hit, all the studios have been closed and they've been closed for a very long time. I think they were only open for two, three months and they've been closed again. So it's been a bit of the roller coaster for yoga studios and yoga teachers in UK in the last year or even longer than a year. Um, I've been always blessed with amazing customers. They always, somehow, we always found each other on a path and I do can call them really, truly loyal customers. Some of them, they with me for the last two years. Um, of course, I'm not going to be everyone's cup of tea. 
and I absolutely always um, mention something to my customers during the classes. Train with everyone if you can, or different teachers, because everyone will be bringing different skills, and you are developing your own yoga, the version of yoga you want to practice and you want to be. But the yoga is a lifestyle, I would say, and it's a journey. And what I love personally about teaching is you meeting your customer and you're taking him for a journey through the opening the door at the studio meeting, you know, smiling and taking them on the mat when they're making maybe the first steps on a mat. And then you're observing them, you're holding the space for them when they grow and they truly grow as a person, even through that physical practice, even through that pranayama that we do together. And it's a beautiful journey. Maybe it's a bit selfish, but I would love to be a part of that journey for longer, <laughs> not only for a month or two, or maybe a year, because I grow with them as well. So it's like a combined dual relationship. Um, that's one aspect. So that's, that's the growth and the journey that we actually on. The other one, it's also that comfort and it's coming more from building up the business. You know, I would love one day yoga, not to be only just my hobby. I truly would love to live through yoga and um, having that confidence in my mind and in my heart that my family is supported financially. So knowing that I've got long lasting relationships with my customers gives me that security. I don't mind if people go, but I would definitely mind if all my customers disappear at one point <laughs> at the same time. So it's, it's coming down probably to, you know, that mean of leaving the security as well. Well, I mean, I love this question, first of all. I think in a sense, it's an unusual question. And I think it's a sophisticated one because a lot of people tend to be very concerned with getting new clients. And we forget that an existing client is worth much more than a new client. <laughs> and maybe because of your sales background, you already understand that. So that's why I really am intrigued by this question. When you are saying, okay, I want more long lasting clients. Are you having the experience that you get a lot of people that only stay with you for a month or two, or are you more projecting into the future that as more people come in, you just want to be prepared? Oh yeah, definitely the second one. I've been blessed with my customers. So even through the pandemic and not being able to train at the studio, they've been staying with me for many, many months, just only a few dropped and mostly for various reasons like health or maybe, you know, posing or maybe not liking being on Zoom. Um, but I'm thinking about the future as well, because now it, it is what it is. I'm accepting what it is, but soon the studio will be open. I'm going to invite new customers. And I'm thinking this is the right moment for many, many yoga teachers, not only me, for many yoga teachers. Yoga is giving so much value, especially in pandemic and after pandemic world. People will be looking for our skills. I would love them to come to me and say, wow, I found a space that is safe and I found a person that can take me for the journey. So both of us, both my client and myself, 
we're going to jump on that journey and we will be building up that strong relationship. So it's more for the future. Yes. Okay. So the first thing that I would be thinking about as building structures for the future is having a container available to them that is a little bit more closed and reserved for people who have been working with you for a while. So have something for them to kind of step into that feels special, that feels like a commitment both to you and to themselves. So I would be thinking about some kind of bigger, longer term offering, a immersion type of program, a series, maybe you would start with a series and eventually build it into an immersion. We all wanna feel like we're progressing. So if yoga teachers are always only teaching drop-in classes, that could work. It could be really vibrant and wonderful, but a lot of people are going to drop in and out of drop-in classes, right? That's kind of built into the, the term. And a lot of us seek and crave something deeper that is going to be much more difficult to hold space for in a drop-in class because you're having to accommodate the drop-ins, the new people. So if you can offer a program specifically for your loyal students and clients, the ones who have, even if they've only been with you for a few months, but they've been showing up consistently, you can say, hey, I can see that you're dedicated. And for those of you who want to go deeper in a little bit more of a closed container, here's what I offer. That's what I would put into place. I love it. I absolutely love what you said, Mado. Uh, and actually it's aligned with what I was thinking in May to do for my customers, for my loyal customers, to run the workshop for free for them, to say, thank you, you have been loyal and you have committed to your own practice and practice with me. This is what I'm offering you. And it would be the face yoga. This is what we do on Sunday, but with some of like advanced techniques that we haven't covered yet. And this is my offering to give it to you as a way to saying thank you. So that would be that container you have mentioned. And I do like that it could be like a separate offering. And I absolutely understand what you're saying about that drop in classes. Straight away, it doesn't resonate with me because every class is different. I don't want people just to come for one class, try and say that, yeah, that's not for me. You haven't given yourself, you haven't allowed yourself even test it properly, not me, yourself, first of all, you haven't, you didn't give yourself the time to fall in love with yourself on a mat. So I would prefer to take you for a journey for a month, and then we can meet up and talk. Which option you choose, be a part of my container, or maybe carry on from time to time. And I will have maybe two days a week that I would allow drop-in sessions, but for the rest of my customers, it would be like ongoing progress program. Yeah, I really prefer pre-registered series. And I think it's great when yoga teachers basically set expectations for their students. So if you haven't been doing this, it's never too late. But if you've been teaching a long time and you have a lot of students who are expecting drop-ins, you may need to transition slowly. But the sooner that you can and I don't want to say train your students because it sounds so yeah. you know, um, behaviorist, 
but set those expectations and be a leader in showing this is how we progress is by making a commitment. And I'm going to make a commitment to you. I'm going to show up for all of these classes. And then I need you to make a commitment to me and to yourself by registering for a series of classes. I really prefer like four terms per year, basically three months commitment at a time. And, you know, again, if you're not doing this yet, you may need to build into that. You can start with a month at a time, then six weeks, then eight weeks, and then three months. But ultimately, this is how I encourage yoga teachers to run their classes if they are running them themselves and have the ability to, to make that choice if they like this as well. And the great thing about it is that you actually can build in some vacations for yourself this way because you can have gaps in between the terms where the yoga teacher who is only teaching drop-in classes is always having to scramble and find subs for a vacation because people are counting on having that available whenever they happen to have the desire for it. And if you are advertising a drop-in class and then it's not happening, people are going to get understandably kind of upset or annoyed and they probably won't try again. Or it would, you know, it takes a certain type of person who would be willing to try again. A lot of people wouldn't. So I'm a, I'm a big fan of pre-registered series. And then to have in your mind for the future, okay, what about the people who have been in the pre-registered series for a long time? Is there something even more intensive? Do I want to do a, a one-year program? Like once your pre-registered series are really vibrant and there's a lot of people in them, maybe you take the 10 most dedicated and say, we're going to go on a one-year journey to, together. Mm -hmm. Oh, I like it. Yeah. Because then in that program can be amazing yoga program itself, not just that physical training that we do, actually, but there's so much into yoga that we quite often, we don't have time during the class, like a one hour class here and there. Exactly. Mm, definitely. I'm going to think about that. And you can have some different types of components in that program. You could bring in guest teachers. Mm -hmm. You could have accountability partners. You could have some pre-recorded content that you use every time. And then you could have some live group sessions. Within the container of a longer, bigger program, you can take advantage of different learning styles and different configurations so that they get a bit of a richer experience. And that's the point, right? That's the, that's the invitation. As somebody who's in sales, you want to know what, what is your unique, what, what do they call it? Unique selling proposition? Is that USP? Yeah. Um, you know, you want to be clear why, what's the difference between signing up for the series, which is awesome, and signing up for the year immersion? What are you going to get differently? Yeah, like different packages, isn't it? You as a customer, you choose which package you want to go for. Brilliant. I like it. Yeah. And for something like a year-long immersion, it's nice to have some prerequisites. Like you've taken at least one or two 
series with me and you've shown up consistently for that series. The more people that we allow in who aren't actually going to be committed to it, it affects the experience for everybody else in there. And at the same time, when you set some parameters, it makes the program feel more, not exclusive, but it makes the program feel more valuable. Like they earned the right to be in there. When you feel like you earned the right to be there, you're going to show up differently. <laughs> you're, and when you show up more fully for a program, you get more out of it. So it ends up really benefiting everybody. So I've got a question about that, just ad hoc question. Um, so let's assume there is that offering, there is that program and there is that service. Would you announce both to all your customers or would you approach your dedicated customers with that unique program, let's say a year program? Well, I do think it depends on your program, what your parameters are. If you only have a few people that fit the parameters, then you probably want to approach people. Mm -hmm. And the first time you do it, you also may want to just approach people because one-to-one -one connection is a much more compelling and powerful way to make an invitation than a group invitation. But let's say that your parameter is just that they've taken one three-month series with you and shown up consistently for it. That's a pretty simple parameter. And it, let's say you've been teaching these series for two or three years and have had a few hundred people go through it. Well, at that point, I would make the group invitation because you have enough people who qualify that you couldn't reach out to them all anyway. And then I would think of your list of top contenders, the people that have been most loyal, that you think are going to be most benefited by being in the program and reach out to them personally as well. Because as you know, from your sales background, most people need multiple invitations before they're ready oh, to yeah. say yes. They have to hear it probably seven times before they <laughs> make the decision. That's what they say. Some of them, they don't need as many. Yeah, it just depends on the person. Some people need, some people are ready to make a decision the first time they hear it. I think you're more of an action taker, I remember. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Other people need to hear it like seven times. And then some people need to hear it like 30 times. So it just depends. For me, it's about alignment. I'm, I'm like you. If I hear an offer from somebody I trust and the, align, and the offer is in alignment with what I need, I will take action, but I will be even more likely to take action if I heard of it a while back, had a chance to sit on it and then hear about it again when I'm really ready. So, but you're right. Everybody, everybody's a little bit different, but you have to take into consideration those people who need a lot of repetition and invite a lot. Yeah, like it. Thank you. That's very, very helpful. And straight away, after even the discussion, I feel excited. I feel like, wow, buzzy, because it's something new. No one is offering that. That's going to be unique itself as an offering. I don't know anyone in my area as a yoga teachers who are offering something like that. So that, that's really something to work on. 
And I suspect that because you said that you have already attracted a lot of loyal clients, there's probably lots of things that you're doing unconsciously or maybe somewhat consciously to encourage that. And I would also suggest that you do market research and that you really reach out to those most loyal people and ask them what they're getting out of your class. And then you can use their words to help find more people who are going to appreciate what you're already offering. So that's the nice thing about having a group of people that you're already teaching and it's already working for them. That instead of trying to kind of come up with something out of thin air, you're just trying to replicate what you're already doing on a slightly larger scale on the next level. I've done some market research. So I've got those words that do buzzy and they came from, from the heart, from the customers. So definitely just to collect them and carry on with the message and start building up around that. You know, the content would be something that definitely needs like a proper considering. It needs to be unique. It can't be just, you know, vinyasa. Right. Another vinyasa. Nah, nah. It needs to be something more into it. Absolutely. Yeah. The very structure of your offerings, if you offer these three-month pre-registered series, you're going to attract people who are more loyal. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because it's a commitment from them with money and time, most of the time. And some people are extremely loyal and they just love making commitments. That's just where they feel safe, where they feel comfortable. And other people have the opposite, right? Other people are like, ah, commitment, no. And that's fine. But we know that commitment is really powerful. We know that commitment is essential for transformation. And so even people who at a certain stage in their life might not be ready to make commitments, they may be ready later, but by kind of stating that up front, you are non-verbally communicating to potential clients that you are looking for committed people. That's pretty cool. And I know how I would behave. If you know, for example, one of um, the offering or one of the teacher that I like training and they would come with something exclusive, you know, that even that I would be having that feeling, oh, it's something exclusive, but it's something more than just yoga practice. Definitely, I would go for it. And that's exactly where you need to come from when you create your offerings. You need to create something that you feel like, if my teacher offered this to me, I would be in in a heartbeat. So that's perfect. Mm -hmm. And the only other thing I would say is just keep that market research mindset so that you know that throughout the flow of building your business, that you're always going to be checking in with your clients and trying to understand how you are already meeting their needs so that you can do it more consciously. And then trying to understand also where there's maybe some potential for you to meet their needs better. Mm-hmm. And it's those long-term clients that are going to be most likely to give you honest information about that second one. I do understand logically what you mentioned to me. I just can't see what it truly mean, you know, getting that market research mine, already checking what you're already fulfilling from the customer needs. 
and checking where the gap is so you can serve them better or the program that you're going to create to serve them better. Mostly because I've already done that market research with them. So even if I start working on that container, I don't have, I don't think I've got enough of the customer as of yet to find nuance to keep asking similar questions because there would be similar questions, but from the different angle. So my, you know, questioning would be quite similar. Okay. So here's the thing about the market research mindset is that market research can happen all the time. You don't have to be in a market research call. Uh-huh. So what I mean by the mindset is that before class, you hear two students talking. Mm. Ooh, your ears perk up. And instead of just thinking like, oh, they love me, they love me and just, you know, being all enjoying it, part of your mind goes, ooh, that's what they like. That's what's working for them. Do you see what I mean? And this is just one example. So it could also be at the end of class, you say, tell me one word that describes how you're feeling right now. Everybody in the room shares one word and you get to have a sense of what the results of working with you is. That's a market research mindset. The intention for market research is to better serve your customers and clients. And now you have a framework, you have this understanding of how to do that that you will develop your, in your own way, in your own style over time. And so when I say the market research mindset, I mean, you always have a level of awareness of being receptive to this type of information that has been communicated to you, but you might've missed it, mm-hmm. right? You missed it because you weren't looking for it. You missed it because you were paying attention to something else. You know, you missed it because you weren't being alert to the gold available whenever you talk to your clients and your potential clients. Yeah, absolutely. Makes sense. Thank you. You're welcome. Well, do you have any follow-up questions, anything that we've discussed so far today that you need any clarification on? What I know after our discussion, after the call straight away, I'm taking a blank piece of paper And I'm working on those buzzy words that I've got in my mind and heart at this moment, just to put it in action. So it's not like a, just a discussion. Yeah, I like it. Thank you, Mado. Well, thank you so much for showing up with this fantastic question. (laughs) My pleasure. And I hope that you stay in touch and you let us know how it turns out. Definitely will do. We will be in touch, Mado. Thank you again to the generous and courageous yoga teachers who participate in these on-air coaching calls. I've had so many listeners reach out to let me know how helpful they are, and they would not be possible without the passion and vulnerability that you embody. And thank you also to each of you who listen all the way to the end. I'm so grateful to get to support you through the podcast, workshops, online courses, and the Impact Club membership. To find out more about working with me, head over to teachingyoga.net slash learn. Until next week, remember to make your personal practice a priority so that you keep your own cup full and can show up for your students without burning out. Thank you so very much for listening and thank you for caring enough to teach yoga.